Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today I'm speaking with Jared Masters. Jared is a music producer and recording artist. Together we explored how process evolves over time, healthy competition, legacy, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend and I'm super excited for you to hear it. What's up, man? How's it going, bro? It's going well. I'll give you, I'll give a brief introduction to you. Thank you, sir. Um, so Jared and I met as a result of this sort of COVID-19 pandemic, I guess you could say. We met, um, yep. you hit me up because like, uh, for a marketing gig, right? Like with status, that was the initial yep. contact we had. Yep. And then that's right. you were working for a company called me was like hey have this gig we talked for probably an hour or so maybe more and uh yeah. i was like i like started catching up he's on to get the ball rolling yeah and then we would just like speak every so often it was always a good time it was like uh like an old yeah. friend um yeah. and you know we've kept doing that <laughs> and uh yeah you know, um i consider you like a very close friend of mine that i've been uh in this in this time so I, I think uh, it's a testament to technology and reaching out to people and uh, obviously your personality as well. Um, Thank you, sir. Being a, a kind-hearted, good person and a, a good hang. So uh, I'm happy to have yeah. you on today and let's talk about what you've been up to and like get into that. I have a few topics I think are appropriate for maybe where you're at, definitely where I'm at right now. I have... Um, what do I have today? Seven different topics. Um, awesome. One of which I personally would love to start on, but I'm not going to tell you which one. Um, okay. <laughs> but I definitely want to cover it at some point. So um, I'll read them off to you. You let me know where you want to start. So ambiguity is the first one. Process, legacy, feedback, personal philosophy, other selves, and intention. Let's do process first, actually. Cool. I think Start that's a good one. Like, yeah, something that I've been lately changing mm -hmm. a bit. Um, and by the way, I'm going to be looking down, yeah, as far as but I'll be taking goes, notes. I've been thinking. So I am a very unorganized person, just to start there. Like mm -hmm. in my life, yeah. when it comes to processes, I don't really have a direct process where like I wake up and with my music, especially, I'm not like, okay, let me, uh, you know, like unravel the, uh, the mic cords and like hook up my mic and get everything. Like everything's just kind of like ready to go. And like, mm -hmm. when I get into the room, I'm just like, I'm in this zone. I've built out this workflow that I can just always jump into. It's super comfortable, but like, I don't have an exact process of like, these are the things that I need to do to be creative. Um, for a long time, like starting back when I started start songwriting, I was like 16, 17. And I was just sort of figuring out who I was as a person, who I was as a songwriter, what type of music I wanted to play. And, you know, like 
just learning everything for so long, like learning guitar, learning how to sing, like all these things, you just kind of like meld into this person where you're like, okay, I'm just trying to be better at these things. Like mm. I don't really have a process yet. Like you have to put in your 10,000 10, hours before you actually start even thinking about process. You know what I mean? Like you're just trying to like get to a place where you have something to show. Right. Um, so for, for a long time, I feel like up until super recently, I was in this place where I was just trying to be better. And so I guess my process for a long time has been like creating and then having all of these creations to look at and kind of be like, okay, like these creations that I've made kind of tell me where I'm at in my, in my, my stage to where I want to be. Right. So like I have this folder of songs I made in April. Right. And I've kind of done that the past like 10 years, like every month I'll make a folder of songs that I've written. Right. And I'll like go back through at the end of the month and kind of look at those songs and be like, cool. You know, I've written 10 to 20 songs this month. What genres are they? You know, like how, how deep is the production? Like, and so I kind of gauge myself based off of what I hear at the end of each month now, you know, like I finally got to the place where I'm not thinking about how do I learn you know, this new like scale or chord, it's more so like, how do I sonically be better? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like changed from that, like, you know, beginning stage of wanting something to actually becoming that thing you wanted to refinement. And the refinement process is really where I'm at heavily now. And I'm just continuing to write and then refine and look at like, or listen to what I'm doing and look at what I'm doing. And the other part of the process too, is there's this competitiveness, uh, in the process now where I'm like comparing what I've done to other people, you know, where I'll be like, okay, sonically, am I being competitive with the song I just wrote? Mm -hmm. And so now I guess part of the process is taking this the, my my best song where i'm like this is the best thing i've written and then sonically comparing it with something i love currently and being mm -hmm. like okay like am i there am i close like is the kick drum and the bass like hitting close to the song that i love mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like that's been like this sort of long drawn out um adventure of like becoming a songwriter producer just like giving yourself the permission to just write whatever you want and you know have no judgment of what it is you're creating and then being um taking a step back and really looking at it with more I don't know, like taking a step back and looking at your creation and then judging it more so like creating it without judgment, but then actually yeah. looking at it with more, you know, trying to earn mints or evaluate for sure. For yeah. sure. Cause like one thing I've been seeing too, is like, I'll write a bunch of shit that I'm super excited about and then I'll sit on it for a while before I send it out to anybody. 
mm-hmm. just because I'm like, I'm so stoked about this right now because I just mm-hmm. created it. But like in a couple of weeks, I'll look back on it and I'll be like, I hate that. <laughs> like, is, I, I don't like that. Is it <laughs> sounds do like you, it. do you send it out at during the part where you're personally evaluating it or after you're evaluating it? So this is definitely part of the process too and a habit of mine. Mm-hmm. I have like a few core people, mm-hmm. a few of them are in here, uh, and you actually become one of those people where I write a song, I write, produce and print a song in a day. That's what I'll do most of the time. Like I'll get super inspired. I'll write, I'll record everything. I'll produce it. And then I'll print the whole track mm-hmm. and then I'll send it to myself. I'll like, I'll text it to myself, right. From my computer and I'll like, listen to it on my phone. I'll be like, okay, cool. Like I'm actually really digging this. And then I'll send it to a few core people where like, I just want to gauge the reaction of what I just made to see if it has any, if it holds up, you know what I mean? What, see if, like, what kind of, are you looking for any specific reaction or yeah. feedback or like, is it very specific and is it the same every time or does it change? So it's, it's actually. I have so many different genres that I write in. I kind of want to just get an overall, like if, if whoever's in this core group that I'm sending it to, if they respond back and they're like, yo, this is, this is great. Like, I love this. Like the people that I send it out to, they are critical and they don't lick my ass. Like they'll tell me straight up, like, yo, this is, this is kind of whatever, or it's not my favorite. But like, I know that when I send something out and I get a response where it's like, Hey, this is, this is great. Like they'll actually give me intuitive feedback, you know, where it's like the lyrics are really pronunciated well. Um, the rhythms there, like there's, there's all these pieces that Mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Like there's keywords that I'm looking for from them, um, to help me say, okay, these are the parts that are standing out to them. Mm -hmm. How can I focus on, um, keeping these elements present instead of going back in the mix and changing things. Right. Mm. So I guess there's always something different, you know, but like overall for me, like I'm a reaction type of person where when I'm talking to people in conversation, I'm always watching, I'm watching their face during the conversation. Cause I feel like you can tell when somebody's not into something, even if they don't respond with words, you can see the reaction on their face yeah. or like life. when you text somebody, yeah, body language, of course. And then when you text somebody or you're, you know, um, looking for a response, whether it's on social or in just like a, you know, messaging conversation, like if they don't respond right away and then they get back to them, they're like, oh yeah, it's cool. You're just like, okay, well it's, it's yeah. not hitting like I hoped it would, you know, but if right. you get that response like right away and they're like, yo, this is, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just key things that I look for from my group that help me kind of move forward in a positive way. Mm or help me move forward on a track or I'm like, okay, this actually has something that's catching attention. Like I'm looking for, you know? So, cause like, um, I try to write one or two songs a day when I'm home at my studio and I don't obviously send those out to everybody every day, but I'll pick a few within, you know, the month to like send out where I'm like, okay, this isn't a pretty good place. Like I'm going to shoot it out and see what reactions I get. And that'll help me form a better opinion um, of if it's if it's hitting like I I wanted to. So, 
I love this. And it's funny because you started saying, I don't really have a process. Uh, <laughs> we're really digging in. And it's funny because yeah. that, that tends to be the way in which these conversations unravel. It's like, For sure. I don't have a process, but I do this, then I do that, then I do that, then I do that. It's like, oh shit, I actually have something really interesting here. Um, I guess I don't think about it like that though. You know? Right. In yeah. the unorganized way I do things, there is some process within the craziness and the madness. And it, it seems very uh, intuitive to you, which I love. Um, I wanted to kind of summarize where we're at so far and then let you kind yeah. of, uh, bounce off that. So yeah, initially you're like, hey, I don't really have a process. Then we got into it and it was like, I have different processes depending on the phase of development I'm in. So you have this aspirational phase, this feeling like you've become the thing and now refinement of the thing and sort of these three macro phases. And then underneath that, these sort of um, met micro phases and, and feeling that you're in this refinement um, phase, the process and uh, that happens there is this sort of creation, play, free space. Let me create as many things as I can. <clears throat> Observe those evaluate them personally. And then I wrote curate them. Yeah. Send them out yep. like of this sort of wealth of things. Let me pick the grapes. Uh, good metaphor for where you are today. Pick the right yep. grapes, send those out, see what people think. And then what what happens next? Are you integrating that and then uh, editing those songs or making new ones based on that feedback? Where do you go from there? Yeah. So we're working on some stuff right now. And like, I go through phases with stuff that I'm writing where I think I wrote like four or five songs in a week that I was like hyped on. I made the playlist and then I'm working with these guys on these songs just uh, as far as like reviewing and revising and creating a specific sound that I want for this project we're on. And I'll have this like spurt of energy and of this like creative like spark that just goes off all week mm. in this specific like genre and the specific like feeling and then i'll be like i gotta listen to it for a while and like we we're all thinking that i'd move pretty quick on these songs mm. and then it's it's been like two months now since i've written them and i've written probably 15 20 more songs since then but i i basically sometimes i need to leave I need to leave those songs alone for a while so that I can come back to them with fresh ears and understand what I need to do with them next. And I, I know I kind of mentioned that before, but I have to do what I want to in this creative process. Like if I, if I'm like, okay, I need to finish these songs, but there is no like timeline for them right now. And I'm inspired to write other stuff. I have to write that other stuff before I go back and finish those songs so that they get the proper attention and the proper um, um, inspiration mm. to actually finish them genuinely. So I'm in a pretty lucky spot with that right now, right? Where I'm, I'm creating with no deadline on some of these things where I can just say, I'm going to shelf these until I know what to do with them. So yeah, so like, basically, I have this sort of ADHD way of creating all of these pieces 
And then they're all on shelves. And then I have to come back to them at some point and finish them at different times. Mm -hmm. But like, so like how I'm like imagining it right now is I have this like wood shop, right? And I've got all these different trinkets that are half built, but I know exactly what I want to do with each one. I just have to be inspired to go back and finish that specific one. Right. I mean, so, so like right now I actually jumped back into some of those songs, um, uh, last week and I wrote verses to a few of them and I was like, it just felt right. Like it happened naturally. It happened genuinely. And that's what I was waiting for. Like where if I try to go in, like there's some jobs though, where like I'll get a job to write a song and I'll finish it. I'll finish it because I have, it's, it's more of like a business, uh, or it's a job, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a different weight to it where I don't lose the inspiration, but there's just a different feeling to it because the client has specific things they're looking for in the song. So I've been able to put a different hat on for that and not be like, oh, I can't do it if I'm not inspired. Like I get it done. I get it done. But like with this stuff that I'm writing, that's like from the soul, it's needing a genuine touch on it. It needs something that's like a little more than that. Like, I don't want to treat, I don't want to treat the, the, the stuff that's me as an artist, as, uh, as work. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and I mean, you know, when you're in the music industry though, uh, a lot of artists, they have their deadlines for their releases and all that stuff and Mm. studio time. And, but you know, I'm lucky now as an artist where I have my own studio and I've learned all the things I need to know to produce my stuff and I don't have to wait on songwriters or anything like that. So I'm able to own this space for myself where I'm not waiting on anybody. I can do it all when I want to. Um, and I really did go ahead. There was something I wanted to follow up on, like this idea of, um, sort of the spark following, uh, inspiration and intuition, but this idea of like, there's kind of groups of songs where like, let me shelve these. And there's groups of songs, like, let me finish these. I was very curious, like, how do you know, uh, for me, when I say like, let me shelve this, it's not getting fucking taken. Stuff. Like it's, it's on the shelf and yeah. it's a, it's a bad habit of mine, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very interested to hear, um, what the shelf looks like to you. Um, yeah. is there another place, maybe a third place, maybe the shelf metaphor for me isn't appropriate. Maybe it's like, it's locked in this dungeon that I don't access. You know what I mean? Like, is there a third space where songs go and they do die where you're like, this is, oh yeah, it's an idea that I started, but I have no plans on, on kind of revisiting. Yeah. So I have a, basically. oh, sorry. Let me add one more thing oh, to yeah. that. Go ahead. How do you know? Like, how do yeah. you know between these three things? Yeah. So I have a hard drive, but it's basically like hell. And that's where all the songs go that I don't <laughs> I'll ever finish, but I keep them in hell so I can come back to them and pull them from the depths if, if need be. Like, yeah. but I mean, honestly, every single song I've written that I've recorded is alive somewhere on a hard drive because yes. I will randomly be like, oh, I could take that song and sample it and be sick for this right. or whatever it'd be. So like I have all this original material I don't want to throw away because it could be repurposed. So it's yeah. almost like 
keeping a stack of wood, wood pieces that you can use for little tidbits. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. But, but the way that I choose is I listen, it's kind of a weird thing. Like being an artist and being a producer, you listen to your own stuff a lot, or at least I do because I do I listen yeah. to like new music Friday. Like I'm always listening to new music Friday to hear what's like new, what's what people are doing. And then I have my playlist that I make and then I try to listen to whatever's new just because I want to hear like what production styles are happening. What's, mm. what's coming back. What's, you know, so I'm always, and also I'm always listening to, um, things that people share that are their friends, unknown artists who are, you know, have a couple hundred followers or no followers. I want to hear what people are doing that are trying. So like I, I joined, a just real quick, I joined a beat battle, which I'm not like, you know, I'm not like strictly like hip hop producer. Like I do a lot of different genres, but it was something that I haven't done before. So I joined this beat battle. It was like 40 people. Um, it was a pay to enter type of thing. So, you know, people are more serious about it. And it was really interesting to sit there for a couple of hours and just hear what everybody's making and kind of like, there's no judgment, you know, it's like, everybody's listening to each other. They're competing against each other with their, their beats. And it's like, it kind of helps you gauge getting into like competitions like that, mm. where you can be like, where am I amongst these other people who are struggling or trying to do something, you know? And, and so it was, it was pretty cool to, to get in there and submit the songs and hear what people think. And to, so, to zoom in on that. Um, yeah what were you looking for in that moment of like, where am I at? Cause like evaluation is yeah. so broad, right? Like yeah, there's, for sure. you could be like, how cool is my intros? Like are my intros or my, my, my mixing or like sure. bigger or something smaller. So what, what, like, uh, where are you at now in terms of the things you think are important to evaluate? For sure. Well, and real quick in that beat battle, I did lose. I lost yeah. the first round. Congrats. <laughs> and it was, it was actually like, I was mad. I was like, how did I lose? But the other guy's beat was amazing too. And, and the judges were actually Mike Dean, which is uh, Kanye West, uh, you know, yeah. his main producers and another guy. And um, I was just like, and then I stepped back and I was like, how could I be so like pompous to be like, how did I lose? You know, it's like, it's their opinion of what they're looking for. And I'm not like trap, you know, trap based or anything like that. So it was more like a hip hop driven thing where they're looking for more trap stuff, but it was an interesting, um, thing to do just to like feel that and to, and to lose and be like, why did I lose? Mm -hmm. And what do I do if I want to do something like this again? Am I looking for anything more than to win or am I looking mm -hmm. to refine myself? Mm -hmm. So really at the end of the day, I was looking to refine myself and I did. Um, I think that I took away a lot from that. Where I was like, I, I put myself out there, I lost. And um, it was like rewarding in the way where I got to sit with all these other people, hear what they're doing and um, and hear where I am comparatively in the eyes of somebody I really look up to. I love that quote. Am I looking for anything more than winning? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's an important reflection point for people. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are in this quote unquote game or a game in some industry and in some um, measurement of creativity that it's like the goal is to only win. 
And I guess from an evolutionary perspective, it is. Um, but like, you're not always going to win. So yeah. what happens then? And like, are you only doing it literally just to win? Or yeah. are there other things? And I think that's that's really profound. And uh, cool. And, and sorry, could oh, you repeat oh. the question uh, that you asked me before I finish that? Um, do you have a process? No, <laughs> that, yeah. that's where we start. Um, yeah. Well, I was asking, so like there's sort of three different places where ideas can go. It's sort of yeah. like, I'm going to finish this immediately. Oh, right. I'm going to finish this later and I'm going to kill this thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you decide? Yeah, so uh, like I was saying, like I end up listening to playlists that I've made and I'll... I'll have playlists on SoundCloud that I just make where they're all private and I'll throw up everything into that playlist that I made for the month, basically. And then I'll go on a drive. Like I fucking love to drive. Like I'll go on a two hour drive and just listen to, uh, I'll listen to everything. Love you, Bo. I'll listen to everything that I produced for the month and I'll just kind of like be like, am I enjoying this? Like, and then I'll listen to it more. Like, I'll be like, do I want to go back and listen to this song twice? And if so, why? Am I going back to it to listen to it because I like it? Or am I going back to it to listen to a part that I like? Or do I hear something that should be different? Like, sometimes I'll listen back to something and be like, oh, there's the melody. Like, I'll find the melody while I'm driving. Where there's no melody in the song, I'll be like, oh, shit, there's the melody. That's actually what it should be. And then I'll like stop it and voice memo the melody and then go home and fix it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so basically like I'll listen to everything uh, basically monthly or weekly, depending on how much I, I write. Mm -hmm. And then the songs that just aren't really doing it for me that I'm like, I don't really care to work on this anymore or listen to it again. I'll put those in a folder for the month and just sort of like a dead folder. And I'll just kind of recognize those as things that I don't need to spend time on. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, like with how much I'm writing and how much I've been writing for the past like three years, if I don't recognize that I don't love something, then it literally haunts me. And mm -hmm. I'll like, I'll be like scrolling past it in my logic folders. I'll be like, mm -hmm. like, I see you and I, I know that like I spent time with you, but like, I just can't click on you. Like, yeah. I'll go down a rabbit hole trying to fix you. And you know, it's like, so yeah, so I basically- Are you talking about relationships here or songs? <laughs> but the song, you have the relationship with the song, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Any, any creation that you have, you have a, an intimate relationship with. Right. You know, because it's like you spent time with that thing trying to trying your best to breathe life into it to have it express whatever you're trying to express that day you know what i mean it's like this thing you're you're giving it life you know and, and just like spending that time enough time with something where you're like wow i spent like hours on you or days on you or weeks or months on you but eventually like you claim it dead you know it's like it still has something special where it is, it is a relationship, you know, and, um, but it's important in relationships with people and relationships with your creations to know, um, when those things need to stop and you can move on to the next. 
you need to know in relationships with people and with your creations, just when to call it quits mm. um, so that you can leave that space mm. uh, for, for new. So like a good example uh, is this last year I released 38 songs, right? And that was a really interesting move on my part because I didn't have them mixed or mastered by other people. They could, probably could have sounded... Um, in my opinion, they could have sounded much better, mm-hmm. but these were songs that have been in my like check, like good list for like four years, three or four years. Right. Got it. And I wanted to move on from them. Mm-hmm. Of those 70 songs, there was 38. Um, so I released 12 in the beginning of the year where I was like, okay, I'm going to get these songs out. I'm going to release them and see how it feels. And I'm going to release it under my own name which is Jared Masters. I was releasing songs under like random aliases for like the past like five, six years, just because I was like, nobody can like type my name in and then be like, oh, that sounds like shit, you know, (laughs) or whatever it is. Like I wanted to give myself the opportunity to release a bunch of stuff over the past years and not have anybody be able to really find it, which is weird, Mm -hmm. but have it out there where people could find it. So now this last year, I'm like, I'm going to release these songs under my own name. I'm going to own it. I'm going to be proud of them. The whole process is going to be mine and I'm going to see, I'm going to feel it out and see what people think. And, um, you know, I'm proud of, of where I've come as a producer and a songwriter. So it's time to let these actually see the light. So I wanted to get rid of those songs though, so that I could make space for who I am now as a creative um so that's what i did it, it felt fucking amazing first record uh, it, it nobody really listened to it like it's got a really low amount of plays on it still but just to get that out there there's actually some songs on there that i'm super proud of um and i made some playlists and they're starting to get some love now but so i, I released those i released the first 12 in april and then i still had the 26 songs that I was like, you know, I want to finish these up and then make another release this year. So I had like a goal basically to release 40 songs in, in 2020. And, um, and so then I got through and I, I just basically put my head down and only focused on those songs. Um, and then I released the other, uh, 26 in November. Mm. So, but all of those 38 songs were just songs that like, I loved of stuff I've produced and written for me. Um, and I wanted to get them out there. And, uh, and so now that I've done that though, now that those songs are out and I have the, the dead folder, like I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, it's like, it's almost yeah. like getting divorced after being in like a, a terrible relationship. You're like, I'm free. Yeah. So, like I did this and whatever else, but like now I'm free and I can go do whatever. It's like, I've, I've put those out there. They're out there. I feel separated from any like emotion towards those songs. Mm. They're out there for people to listen to. I'm proud of them. Um, but I'm going to move on to my new, um, projects. Uh, so uh, I want to recap some of that so far, yeah. uh, cause there's a lot of meat here and a lot of really important things you're saying. So 
You mentioned gathering inspiration as part of your process, like this listening to what people are trying, whether they have zero plays, a million plays, 10 million plays, whatever, like what's happening right now. Um, this idea of um, trying a lot of ideas, like going really wide um, before honing in. So like not being too precious with any one song, really generating it and then allowing um, the drives. But really what I'm getting from it is the feel to like emotions to take over when you're listening early on to say like, what am I emotionally compelled to work on? What parts of the song or what entire songs like really hit me emotionally and that I want to revisit? Um, I'm wondering about going wide, if that's been a process that you've always had, if that's sort of a way of ambiguity is a topic, but a way of sort of addressing ambiguity is like, let me just have a bunch of ideas that I can then not like, you're kind of creating a controlled ambiguity where it's like, here's a bunch of different ideas. Has that yeah. always been part of your process? Like, do you remember kind of finding that as something that works? Um, yeah. Yeah, actually. Well, I think that um, I was talking to uh, a friend who's a songwriter. And we were talking about just writing songs in general. And they were like, man, I just like, I can't let myself write these songs sometimes like i just like i just like feel like this writer's block or this like and i'm like well what is writer's block like why do you get that because i don't i don't ever feel like i can't write something and i've gotten to that place over the past couple of years like I, I started not feeling writer's block about four years ago and um and it's because i I found this place in myself where I'm like, why would I ever stop myself from letting me, letting this creative um, motion happen? You know, like, oh, it's because I don't have enough time or, oh, it's be, it's like, uh, find the time, you know, like you can find, like I have a, a you know, a 17 month old daughter. I have a wife, uh, you know, I was working full time. But I always found time to let that creative, to let that creative part of me flow. Mm. And you have to be able to allow it when you have the time. So for me, not um, judging myself has been the biggest part of that, where I can swing wide and like write whatever I, I feel. Like if you go listen to the, the album I released this last year, it's fucking weird. It's so yeah. weird. It's like, that's why it's called what it is. It's called what an actual fuck is going on because nobody really knows what I'm, what's going on in my head or why I chose to release all those songs that are so different. But like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to show, um, in my songwriting that I can, I'm doing what I want and I'm, I'm not telling myself I can't, I'm telling myself you can do this if you fucking work on it hard enough and give yourself the time and don't judge yourself from writing in the style or, or, you know what I mean? Like there has to be a moment with yourself where you allow that part of you that wants to be that songwriter or that creative to do, to do that. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like if somebody wants to fucking sculpt statues, you know, it's our, our whatever chisel statues out of rock or whatever, however, they're going to do it out of clay. Like at what point do they decide that they're going to fucking do that? And then at right. what point do they decide that they're going to get really fucking good at it? Cause they love it. Or, mm. you know, it's like, you don't just like do something like that and like be like, ah, yeah, it's kind of whatever. It's like, you just fucking go for it and you give yourself the ability to, to fuck it up, you know, and to like make something really ugly. like be like cool this is super ugly but i'm gonna keep refining it and eventually i'm gonna have this beautiful sculpture so like for me i've just like always no matter how ugly the song is just like i continue to look at that finished piece and be like it's not fucking bach but it's you know it's me and um, i think that also goes back to you know, loving yourself and allowing yourself to be you because like, you know, when you're, when you're writing and when you're, it's, you know, you're expressing yourself and it's a form of therapy where you're allowing yourself to share that with other people, whether it's a feeling or, uh, you know, a, a poem or whatever it may be, like you're giving yourself that space and that freedom to express what's inside and you want to share with other people right so everybody starts somewhere and if you can like let go of that like judgment of yourself you're going to get to that end result a lot quicker you know was it it seems like you're you started to become an expert in this um uh as uh, brian Eno might put it surrendering to the art um, yeah, I assume that wasn't the first reaction you had when making art. So like w- at what points and why, when did you realize like, this is really, really important. Like what was happening before that sort of indicated that whatever you're doing wasn't the right way? Yeah, I think that, well, I had a lot of musicians around me that were really good. And, you know, that I looked up to a lot that I was in bands with or that, you know, I just like would show stuff to. And there was always like this, like, no, man, you shouldn't do that. Or like, no, man, like, what, what is this chord progression? Like, I don't understand it. Or there's always like this weird, weird stuff I would get back from other people or like, I don't know. And so I, I'd feel, I would take that and I would internalize it and be like, these lyrics are like too, too explicit or, you know, it's like chord progression is like, doesn't make sense. And like, at a certain point I was like, why it doesn't make sense to them or it's, you know, too explicit for them, but that's not me, you know, like where, where do I allow myself to hear feedback and still move forward with what I'm, what I need to make, you know, instead of capping myself. Just to, uh, rewind back to that moment or that time period, like people are telling you these things, what kind of output were you having at the time? Like, what did it feel like to you? What did it sound like? Yeah. I mean, I guess that like I was, 
because I've been playing guitar and, and writing for uh, a good amount of time. And like in my early 20s, it's when I was like, you know, playing in bands and and pursuing music more so. I mean, I love the songs I wrote then, but I also just didn't have the output. So like I would I would write maybe a song every like month or so. You know, I was still writing a good amount or maybe a couple songs a month, you know, and I was just practicing a lot more though, you know, and I was, I was trying to like be better at the instrument or like understand, like, I mean, there was a major, um, wall, just not knowing a lot, you know, just like not knowing basic theory, uh, or like, you know, just not having the experience. Like I just wasn't experienced enough. And so that was really the cap there. And like, I didn't actually start wanting to learn more about music and songwriting in general until like my, later in my twenties, I was just like, I was just like, okay with where it was. And I didn't really know if it could get much better. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. But like, I just like, I could not get past this like wall and just like allowing other people to um, kind of let my, or, or I, I was letting other people basically change my mind about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It was definitely uh, crippling in a lot of ways to um, movement, you know, into growth with trying to pursue um well, it, it would add to the writer's block, I should say. But yeah, there was a certain point when I was like 27 or 28. And that's when I just like, I think as a person too, I was like, I really don't fucking care what people think about me in general. Like, why do I hold so much value in what other people think about like my hair color or my eyes or my nose or my, you know, how I talk or what I like to do? Like, that's, that's me. That's, you know, so yeah, man. I mean, eventually I just came to that point where I was like, I have to let go of these outside opinions and just keep moving forward with what, who I want to be and how I want to do things. Uh, you said the word value and, uh, just reminded me of art club, uh, the, the monthly designer meetup that I run sort of like a cross between meetup and group therapy and venting and all of that. Um, and yeah. this whole last session was around value. So we broke down value in every possible way. And one of them is personal value, like your own personal values. Um, and I've always heard that term, but literally this morning, like I was, I added a definition to it that felt my own, which is like, if you had like a hundred dollars, and that was your entire like life line, your timeline. Let's say you, let's say you live 80 years, right? Uh, 90 years, so you have $90 to spend. Like, are you spending 80 of those dollars on purchasing what other people think about you and internalizing that? Like, that means you value, like you're worth, you're, you're, you feel as though you can spend your life money on or life capital on people um thinking about you and and how they feel and that's literally if you're spending time doing it it means you're valuing that thing it's like this is what i believe to be worth my money my time you know 
And it was kind of an interesting yeah. thing. It's when you ask someone what their values are, it's like, what would you spend? Like, what would you be willing to sacrifice your life for? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, what, for sure. I'm with family. Like, why? It's like, I'm lose every time I spend with them, I'm losing it's doing something else, right? I'm yeah. spending that. Uh, could be, I don't know how many years in total I've spent with family if you added it up, but it's like, that's what you're spending. And so that's huge. I mean, what people think about uh, you and I think it affects a lot of people. And I think we were on the topic of writer's block and clearly you're going to be blocked if you're yep. worried about what people are thinking, because if they're not in the room, you're writing for them. Sure. This imaginary thing, this amalgamation of people. Yeah. So I feel that a lot. And I think the times where I'm able to snap out of it and hop into that mode, like you spoke about earlier of creation and play and allowing the surrendering to the work, uh, that's where the best work comes out anyway. Um, for sure. I have other thought about, um, you know, the energy we put into the work, if it is free, if it comes from a place of play, if it comes from a place of openness, it is decoded as such Yes, way. Like it might not be the same level of openness. Like someone's not going to listen and feel as open as you did, Yeah, but it's hard to not feel some of that. Um, that's not a note. That's not a specific chord that's how the chord was played and even why the chord there um yep. and that's sort of this weird in between connective tissue that i'm trying to write about in the book more of those things so yeah uh, yeah just two thoughts i wanted to throw your way see what you think about it and uh you know yeah yeah your so you're saying so um and, and let me know if this if this doesn't connect on what you're saying but uh lately so I used to write more so just sort of whatever would come to mind, right? Or however, whatever inspiration would strike, I would just sort of like write and the lyrics would come along with it. Um, I've started to put a lot more, I've, I've invested more into um, understanding the value of keys and, and you know, and of course some words, but where where do I have a conversation with the actual music side of it? Like, what is this chord progression? What do the keys mean? You know, is there a meaning behind that actual key? Right. So, I'm writing a an a concept album right now that's going to be twelve songs, and each song is very specific how it's written. Where like the tempo even has some type of meaning to me. Right. The, the key that I chose and the chords, each chord means something. So also, you know, the uh, inflection uh, of your voice, the, the um, you know, the strumming patterns, like there's so much value in these tiny pieces of music that all have meaning when you hear them. You know, it's like, oh, why did he choose to like stop right there or why did he choose to put an inflection on this word or why is there a key change here why is this key cha change so sudden you know it's like for a long time i just listened to it as music when i was learning about music and i was like oh wow that's neat you know but it, it wasn't anything much deeper than that for a long time and then i started studying a lot of different artists um who have these like 
amazing stories that are encoded into each song and like into full records, you know, where it's like the whole record makes sense as one piece. So to me, you know, um, I now put a lot more value on how things are done in the process of recording where it's like, oh, let me recut this because, you know, at this point in the story, there's this feeling here. How do I make this, um, this piece dissolve here to, uh, you know, enter into this next storyline or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems like what you're saying here, I circled the word meaning in my notes and I work in design when I'm making a piece, it is encoded with tons of symbolism, which decodes as meaning. Um, and so knowing that a peace sign represents a certain era of time and also represents the meaning of what peace might be, but combined with, um, a photo of someone in the sixties then means something very different. Like thinking about how these things that have different meanings when combined or when separate mean other things. And then as the communicator, which you are, uh, in the audio form, like you're determining, well, what am I? Uh, and you're valuing this, this act of, um, encoding meaning and storytelling, uh, through audio. And to do that, it requires valuing the individual elements and what they actually mean or might mean or could mean, uh, to other people. And so then it becomes this communal piece because if you're thinking about what it might mean at the other end, then someone else is involved, but not in the way like we were talking about earlier, where it's like, what would they, will they like this? Do people think this is cool? Not that way of interpreting, but the other way of interpreting, like, how can I connect deeper with them? If I do use this symbol and I do use that image together, will it connect with them more deeply? Yeah. Um, So I think that's what I was taking away from what you were saying. No, no, absolutely. And um, it is special to be at a point with art in general where you can make it and have the intention of encoding it you know it's 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 just uh it's a different level of of creating where you have this you have the capacity to say i want to encode something special behind this instead of like i think that there is just a lot of art that happens naturally with no real intention of purpose behind it or uh, meaning behind it you know it's it's being created uh purely out of you know, emotion or creating it and you can find meaning in it. You know, people can find meaning in anything, but when you have an artist that is intentionally putting the meaning there where you can hear it, you can feel it, you can see it, you know, the album art or whatever it may be. It's like, it's just such a special layer. Um, you know, it feels the way that humans, it starts to feel the way that humans feel, you know, it starts to feel as though there's more than just the one statement that they said, there's a whole life and story and connective tissue to bring that word back between things. And it's not just this like emotion that was had and there you go. And that's all it is. And so like, you can decode that. Wow. That dude seemed really sad. That's all I get. You know what I mean? Versus like, are there more, is there more? And obviously there always is more there's, always more to other people. So encoding that in the work 
whether that is design, whether that is music, whether that's photography, even, um, yeah. you know, I think it's, to me, it's like a superpower that communicators have or have the ability to have. And when you tap into it, like it seems you are, it just becomes so fun. It's like a new, you unlock yeah. this new playground where it's like, oh, so there's awesome. like infinite toys. And if yep. I can buy it the right way, it's like, I have my Star Wars toy plus my fire truck. And now this is a whole different meaning and story and like, you know. Yeah. I feel like that in my studio right now, you know, like I finally have it to a place where I go in there and it's like getting into a spaceship and like the cockpit and you're like, I know how to fly this fucker. Like, let's go, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that's been so helpful, like getting into the cockpit and flying and, and knowing exactly the machine you're flying, like, um, having your creative space, no matter what it is. Cause I mean, I, you know, I draw and stuff like that too. And I, I paint and I love a lot of different forms of art, but when you have your space ready for you to enter it and just be purely creative with not, no other distractions, mm -hmm. like it's just such a different level of creating. So you're like this room or this place is meant for me to be creative. You know, I, like I term yesterday to a friend who was, we were doing, um, working on a music video and, and recoloring it. And like the computer was lagging every time we moved something, then it had to yeah. render video. And it was like, then there were moments where it was like working super fast. M1 chip was doing its thing. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's thinking, it's processing at the speed of like thought. Whereas there's like, it's not processing at the speed of thought. And now you're thinking about like what you're, want to think next while that's loading but then like you're not actually thinking about what you're currently doing yes like it's easy to just lose it that's this idea of a cockpit but like not just it being a cockpit but you being the pilot of that cockpit and knowing how to control that knowing that it flies the way you want it to yeah. um and not against you uh is yeah. really really critical yeah man agreed um what if what how about we switch to another topic let's do it um, so we talked about process. We talked about feedback to some degrees. Um, I want to talk about ambiguity. It's been on my mind. Um, I heard, I was listening to, uh, a podcast called the knowledge project. It's my favorite podcast out right now. Uh, yeah. and, and I've listened to every episode thus far, except the most recent, like five, let's say, but there's been like over a hundred. And the, one of the most recent ones is with the guy, Jim Collins. Yeah. He had an episode before that was like my absolute favorite. And then, um, he did another one recently and something he was saying when he, so he evaluates kind of businesses and how they operate and it was like, is really trying to find like what makes something successful. Uh, yeah. you know, what is luck? How do these things work? Um, how can you not like optimize in a Tim Ferriss way, but like, what are these like sort of invisible connective tissue things that we take for granted and don't think about? Not like sleep and eat right, you know, like for sure. a little more nuance. And one of the things he said was that with founders, it wasn't about, their success wasn't based on risk tolerance. It was based on how they dealt with ambiguity. And like my mind just exploded yeah. um, because you often hear like, oh, that's so risky. You're going out on your own. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, happened. Yeah. so much risk. How do you deal with that? And I've yeah. never felt that. 
but ambiguity yeah. I've definitely felt. Um, so I'm wondering for you, where does ambiguity um, creep into your process? How do you deal with it? Where are you at with it? Are you still uncomfortable with it? Um, more comfortable? I mean, it's, I like that, that quote that you just said, uh, because it's like, I don't know, man, I, I am a little more, I'm at a place right now where I'm making a huge change just to kind of touch on that. You know, I've been in cannabis for, um, seven years and I've been doing music between like, I've been working the two nonstop for the past seven years, just about. Mm -hmm. And for me, I am now taking a road where I'm going. I'm, I left the cannabis world. I'm actually going to completely step out of it. I've been a contractor in cannabis for many reasons, but you know, I've gotten a ton of experience there and learned so much about a new type of business and how to be creative within those businesses and what my creativity brought to them, where it was valued and how much of it was I giving away and feeling like it was worth it. You know what I mean? So like over the past couple of years, I've been like, what am I going to do in this, in this industry and in cannabis? Like, am I going to start a dispensary or a brand or what am I eventually going to do? And like this other side of me is like, need to on music. And then eventually I just started getting a bunch of jobs and music thrown at me. And I was like, this is like, this is calling me to focus on it. So like for me, I just left a job that I was making amazing money at and I'm going to continue pursuing music only because I'm called to it and I need to take everything that I've learned in the past seven years and cannabis business and apply it to myself in music. It's one thing I haven't been doing for so long is applying my business knowledge to my music career. I've been like separating the two where I'm just like, I'm a creative and this is, it's like, it was almost like the words of uh, family members were ringing in my ear too, being like, you can't live off of music or you can't, you can't make music business. But also they said that about cannabis and that I did that too. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So yeah. for me, now that I'm in this role where I'm like launching myself as a full-time producer songwriter, like I'm trying to hone in, you know, what, what do I take from that side of cannabis and bring it into my work and music? Like, how do I now separate myself from like that business person who's like, I have to do this so that I can live to how do I make music my business and how do I not strive from that? You know what I mean? How do I, how do I give myself the how do I not judge myself in this launching process? Mm. Like where I'm like, okay, here's a runway. How do I, um, how do I make this work without like falling back, you know? And that was one thing I think we talked about before too, is like 
falling back on like something that's comfortable that makes you money yeah. instead of like really yeah. pursuing um you know if i could if i could jump in for a second you said how do i not judge myself and i feel like maybe that's not the right question because you are judging yourself as you go and that's important yeah it's important yeah, to, sure. to judge um but I think what you're getting at is this idea that I was just reading about in one of these books uh, that I'm reading that I've mentioned and preface every time saying the cover is super lame. Um, yeah. It's very deep. It's awesome. But there's a chapter on uh, esteem, like yeah. self-esteem, and how we often connect esteem with setbacks and um, and like, you know, positive moments of our career. Um and so our esteem, if, if you made a great sale or you made an amazing song, you're riding on high. And then all of a sudden you um, don't have work for a week or a month. Yeah. And now your esteem is low. And he says like the problem of connecting the two is the issue is how do you keep esteem steady, but allow for setbacks to happen and for successes to happen, right? And his model... Um, and this guy, his name is Alan White. Give him credit and uh, a, a good citation. Um, I actually pulled open the page. So this is sort of the model he has right here. This wave, That's right? Like, I think you're to picture that attached to it. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. And then this right here is your esteem steady through the setbacks. Uh, and right here he has this loop. What I love about the loop is something that I feel like you do really well, um, which is it starts with skills building, applying those skills having success with the skills and then can motivation to continue using the skills and learning more. So then you learn more, you apply it again, you have success and it's that loop. And it's like, as long as you have the motivation to do that, it's yeah. kind of hard to be like down about yourself. Like even if you have sure. learned disabilities, like you still will learn just slower. That loop will be slower, but at least that's like a, a clear through line of like, I'm making progress. Yeah. Even though like event wise, there's setbacks and there's successes, like esteem can be its own thing. And I think like, um, trust me, dude, I'm not there yet, but yeah, kind of seeing that disconnect of like, this doesn't have to align with my esteem, you know, um, was, was pretty, and, um, so I think, yes, you should be evaluating, you should be judging yourself, but not yeah. judging yourself at the moment of setback to say, like judging you, right? Like you can judge your career and the progress true, of true, it, true. but judging you at the moment of setback is is where it gets risky because sure. you do it once, you'll do it again. And then it's just like, that's where it gets dangerous. And I've been there and I'm yeah. there often. And so recently uh, reading that was, was, I needed to hear it at that time. Um, and now looking at it as like, I didn't get a new gig this week. Cool. I'm still yeah. me. I'm still learning some shit. And when I do have one, I'll be able to apply it. I was like, this, uh, this is getting too hard. Yeah. This is theme thing. Fuck that. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> no, no, for sure. No, solid uh, point. And Mike in the comments, um, dropped some bars. He said, esteem is the goal. The goal isn't the goal. Cause yeah. this happened to me in my career when I was working like the nine to five path. I was so focused on becoming like uh, some managerial person and overseeing a team and, and getting yeah. X amount of dollars. Like I had the whole thing in my head. 
And then I got there and was like, achieved the goal. I'm literally as depressed, if not more yeah. than I was. Right. So like what I thought, like, that's all I needed to do. <laughs> it's like you unlock that level, you get like a new jet pack and like, yeah, everything's man. great. Like nothing happened. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Seeing that chart was uh, important. The book, it's called Million Dollar Consulting by Alan Weiss. Um, I highly recommend even like audio engineers, people selling things, yeah. anyone that's consulting in any way, uh, literally working for someone and, and using your expertise to do so. Uh, I recommend reading it because there's at least 50 things you could take away. Maybe it's not the entire thing. Maybe you don't need to write proposals or anything like that, but how you operate, um, uh, cognitively and also professionally is there's a lot in there. There's a lot of really useful information. Yeah. I was actually swiping up to go to audible. And then I realized that that would exit me out of, uh, our life. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to save that. So that didn't work out. I'll, I'll take you. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah. I mean, um, so ambiguity, I think that's a, a big topic. And I'm, so is there anything I kind of went on my own riff about ambiguity and maybe that was the whole point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add to it? Not really. Okay. So, so, uh, we have legacy, which is something I really wanted to ask about, right? You know, yeah. your grandfather recently passed away. Yeah. He was a successful personality, radio personality, uh, guru of many sorts. Yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, he has a legacy of his own and, and you and I've been talking about that losing someone. What does that mean? Um, how do you keep, the, what is their leg? What does legacy mean when every individual has an individual experience with someone? Um, for sure. I'm curious to see where you're at, uh, with all of that, um, in yeah. the process and what does legacy mean? Has it changed since, uh, his passing? Yeah. And just, you know, to shine a light on him a little bit, um, he was kind of like my dad growing up in a lot of ways. And uh, I disagree with him on a ton of stuff, but I also love him to death. Um, but he, his story is really interesting. I mean, he moved over, his, his father passed away when he was 14 and he started working full-time. And I actually left home at 14 and started working full-time um, mm. due to some, some family stuff. And he was always kind of there to guide me through stuff. Like I'd call him for advice, but I was like out on my own from the same time. So there's a lot of similarities in our stories, actually. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, but he, his, his father passed away when he was 14. He started working full-time. Um, he's from, uh, from Brighton, England. Um, he moved over to the States, and he was actually doing uh, diamond cutting and teaching diamond cutting. But he had a passion for uh, hypnotism and, uh, and self-help and that sort of stuff. And so... He actually went to jail for hypnotizing somebody. No way. Because it was, it was like a legal, it was like 1954. But yeah, he went to jail for hypnotizing somebody. And then the story is, there's actually a newspaper clipping of it, that he hypnotized the guards to let him out of jail. No. I mean, that's, it's legit in the paper. And I don't know what happened after that. Maybe he went back, but <laughs> um, he was just a fucking crazy, passionate, wild person, you know, and um, anything he did, he did it like all the way. And so like he left diamond cutting to do hypnotism basically, which is crazy. Right. And so like, you know, with his passing and stuff, it's like, for me, I have this really amazing, uh, career in cannabis 
that I could continue doing, but it's not, it's not who I am and it's not my, it's not what I think about every day when I wake up or what I want to be doing every day. I mean, a lot of us have to do that. Right. But also there's this leap that you take where you're like, I have to do this. Um, but I, I, I realize that songwriting and producing is something I have to do. It's, it's been calling to me. It's a distraction. It's my main passion and work just keeps kind of falling on me with it. And so I'm like, I have to give myself the ability to jump from this cliff to this cliff. And if I fall, I'm going to fucking grab a tree branch and pull myself up and get to that fucking side, no matter what. Um, but he was like that, you know? And, and so in my grieving process with him passing, it just made me, it just kind of, uh, confirmed what I'm doing, you know, is, is the right thing and it's the right way to go. Um, just like watching him fail and all the crazy shit he did to get to being a self-help personality and make a legacy with that, you know, for me, for my daughter, leaving a legacy behind that tells the story of, um, you know, following your passions and making what you want in life, what feeds your family. Um, you know, I want to leave her something that where she's like, my fucking dad did what he wanted to, you know, he, I want to do that. You know, I want to inspire my friends, my family with that story. And, um, and you know, it, with legacy too, it's like with music, with songwriting, it's like, there's so much, there's so much there where when you write one good song that, you know, it's literally, it affects somebody's life in a way where they listen to that song. And that's like something that means more to them than they can put in words. It's a feeling it's that legacy of having even one song that is somebody's favorite fucking song, or it's an anthem for whatever it may be. It's hope. It's, it's like, that is a legacy that lives forever, you know? And so for me, you know, instead of being a help, a self-help personality or I have to test, like there's this whole other side of legacy that is music. It's passion. It's, it's chihuahuas barking, you know, there's like the most dog that was in my sister's courtyard and like, they just let it out sometimes and it barks endlessly for like potentially hours. We have, we're surrounded by dogs and we have a dog and they all just fucking yell at each other all day. So it's okay. Yeah. I always wonder what they're saying. Like, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to get off this topic. Yeah, we can, we can have more recorded live about that too, actually. I'm closing the window. Okay. What are dogs actually talking about? But what are they saying? I mean, I would imagine they'd be telling each other to shut up. If I was a dog, I would definitely be telling that dog to shut up. I would too. But yeah, man, uh, yeah, to kind of to end that, that, uh, note on legacy, I think that just overall, like everybody at a certain point, what, what are you doing in your life to leave a legacy? Like when you die, what are people going to remember about you? Mm. Cause like being at a funeral, it's like, you think about that person overall in your life, like what did, who were they to you? And they kind of solidify as this one, like overarching, like 
you know, all these things that you remember about them kind of create that memory mm-hmm. that lives inside of you yeah, for the rest of your life about them, you know? And so like my opinion and my thoughts about him changed so much from when I could talk to him to when I couldn't, you know? So it's like, it's like that with like, you know, like James Brown or any of these legacies, legacy artists who have passed. It's like when they're around, you love them, you want to go see them. But like once they pass, it's like there's this whole different monster or, or this legacy that's left behind that is like bigger than life, obviously. So what do you do up until your death to become something that is a symbol to people of whatever it may be, of of love, of, of hope, of, you know, uh, mystery, uh, you know, it's like, who will you be re- uh, recognized as? What is your, what is the symbol that you'll li- leave behind when you pass? I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but. That was beautiful and poetic and I totally agree. Um, it's a great question to ask. Uh, I think this is a good time to wrap because I think that the legacy you will leave um, behind is something that's going to be different for everyone. And I already know, and I do not look forward to the day, um, but, you know. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> be old. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, already what I see you doing, it, it, it's an incredible inspiration. It's great. Um, you're going out on your own, something that you haven't done before, and you're doing it with passion with dedication and you're doing it for your family your daughter your wife uh and your friends like myself and everyone that's on here or that has joined today um so already there's uh the seeds of a legacy being um planted uh and i just want to say thank you i really appreciate it man and we will obviously talk like probably this yeah, week man no yeah, I'll probably talk to you later today at some point. But no, thank you, man. And uh, I love watching uh, whoever you have on here. So it's an honor to chat with you and, and just talk and talk shit and talk life and process and all that stuff. I love it. Later. Thank you, bro. You're welcome.